um, or Australian, Bulgarian, or whatever. Dan and Katie were here, and Dan gave us a brilliant sermon from um, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, and it was, it was very good. He, he linked us right back to Genesis chapter 3, and, and all about how we have rejected God. Just let, let's go back, That's, and these horrible people who decide we will reject God. We will live our own lives. And what happens? Well, God describes to us here, through Paul, chapter 1, verse 29, he says, well, these people, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips. They're slanderers. They're God-haters. They're insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's righteous decree that people who do such things deserve death. But they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Horrible people. Hands up. Wow, I think they're horrible people. (laughs) No, horrible people. Hands up. Horrible people, aren't they? And, and we sit, and we sit here, and we go, ha, yeah, these people who reject God, yeah, they are just gossips and slanderers and full of strife and envy and murder and whatnot. And they are. But today in chapter 2, Paul lets us take a step back again. You see, in, in chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, what Paul has done is to show us a picture of those who have rejected God, outright rejected Him, and not only rejected Him, but they teach each other to reject Him. So they know what is right, they know what is wrong, and they say, we will do what is wrong, and we will teach our children to do what is wrong, and we will encourage our fellow mankind to do what is wrong. And we think to ourselves how horrible they are. But what Paul says to us is take a look in the mirror. Says Paul in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, Who are you to stand out in judgment against those people? There's actually two distinct groups of people. So we've got the people last time who are those who promote evil. They know it's wrong, but they promote it. But here in chapter 2, we have people who know what is right and know what is wrong, who instead of promoting it, denounce it and stand out against the evildoers. But who are at the same time hypocrites, who say, do not do that and do it themselves. Paul here is, is using a, a, a style which, which is basically is dialoguing with, with somebody who he assumes this person is throwing up arguments to him and is answering back. And, and a lot of people will say, well, he's, he's done the Gentiles in chapter 1 and now he's doing the Jews in chapter 2. No. What, what Paul is addressing in chapter, one, chapter 2, verses 1 to 16, is any person who sees himself 
as a righteous person. Anyone who can stand by and say that is wrong, that is inappropriate, that is not right. Anyone who can say what is happening in Somalia is wrong. And there are lots of non-Christians who can say what is happening in Somalia is wrong. And Paul turns around and says, how can you stand there in judgment? How can you stand there in judgment? Because what you need to realize, says Paul, is that God's judgment is coming. And it's not something that you can just sort of get by by denouncing evil in others. If you have evil in yourself, you too will be judged. Three points, says Paul in in chapter 2 here. He says God's judgment is unescapable. You know what Jesus says uh, there in Matthew, I think it is, about finding the the splinter in somebody else's eye uh, and not seeing past the log that you've got stuck in your own eye. Just before that, Jesus says, as you judge others, so you too will be judged. And it's the same sort of thing that Paul is addressing right here. He says there are these people, good people, who judge others and yet live lives which are just as depraved, just as sinful. But maybe they can plead ignorance. (laughs) How do you plead ignorance if you are standing judging somebody else? You are wrong to do that. Obviously, I know what is right or what is wrong. If I then go and do the same thing, am I not more likely to be judged since I know that what I am doing is wrong? says, Paul, God's judgment we know is based on truth. And if God's judgment is based on truth, then we know it must apply to us. Maybe, maybe we'll say, well, you know, it's all very well to say that, Nick, but, but, but let's be honest. God's nice. God's nice, isn't he? And he's patient with me, and he's kind, and he's good, and, and Yes, I'm doing the wrong thing, but that's okay. God's nice. (laughs) The Lord, the Lord, slow to anger, full of mercy, full of compassion. What does Paul say? He says, yeah, oh, wonderful. Yes, God is nice. God is kind. God is patient. God bears with us. God is merciful towards us. Verse verse, uh, 4 over there. God is tolerant with us. But you know, there, there comes a time when you can abuse the mercy and the kindness and the tolerance and the patience of God. You see, for, for, for us to say, God, I know that what I'm doing is wrong, but I will do it anyway, because I know you'll just forgive me, that, that's, not, that's not treating God with honor, is it? That's saying, God, I really don't care about you. I don't want to honor you. I don't want to glorify you. I'll just do what I want to do. 
William Barclay, I think, said, um, uh, I've got it here, it's one of the most shameful things in the world to use mercy and love's forgiveness as an excuse to go on sinning. We've just celebrated the Lord's Supper. We've remembered the cost at which we have been forgiven. Where God says, I have done so much to save you. I've called you to repent. And yes, I'm kind. Yes, I'm patient with you. And I know you are fallen. But my patience is not forever. And there will come a time. There will come a time when, when judgment will come. And verse 5 makes it pretty clear. If, if we are living out of this attitude of, well, I can just do what I want to do because God is nice. What does Paul say in verse 5? He says, if, if this is the way we are living abusing God, treating Him with contempt. It's showing us the hardness of our hearts. It's showing us that actually we're not repentant. Because true repentance seeks to glorify God and honor God, not not treat His kindness with contempt. And Paul says there in verse 5, you know, if we continue to abuse God's kindness, all that we are doing, we're not getting away with anything. We're just storing up wrath and anger. Why? Because we we are actually not His children. He says, he says, if if you treat God with contempt. It's showing you that you have an unrepentant heart. That parable of the fig tree from Luke chapter 13 is is exactly this, isn't it? Here is the the soil and it's growing. And, And if it doesn't bear fruit, it will be cut down and burnt in the fire. passages like this because they sound so dire but they are so wonderful as we'll see as we'll see let's move on what is what does paul say uh, here in romans chapter 2 he showed us right god's judgment is unescapable it's not something we can treat with contempt it's not something we can just assume that god will forgive us no matter what no says paul if we stand there and we know what is right then we have a duty to do what is right Because God's judgment is in accordance with the truth. God's judgment is righteous. Verses 6 to 11. God judges every single person on this world, whoever has lived, whoever will live, according to the same standards. There's, There's a level playing field when it comes to the judgment day. God judges, says verse 6, um, 
where's verse 6? God judges by giving to each person according to what he has done. God judges according to what we have done. Have you ever told a lie? You will be judged for telling a lie. Have you ever done something good? We will be judged for having done something good. God judges according to what we have done. Sounds strange to our Christian ears? Matthew 16, 27. Jesus, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. We will be judged according to what we have done. I need you to pay really close attention to what I'm saying. We will be judged. And there will be two kinds of judgment, which we see in verses 7 to 10. We'll see one group who will be judged and who will be granted eternal life. And one group who will be judged and will be granted wrath and anger. What do we see here? We, we see here that, that, that there are those who seek, uh, by persisting in doing good work, seek glory, honor, and immortality, and they receive eternal life. And there are those who are self-seeking and selfish, and they will receive the wrath of God. Difference there. What are they seeking? One group is seeking God. They are seeking to honor God. Alternative, they are seeking God's honor on them. What did Paul say? He, he longs to be told good and faithful servant, well done. That is to seek God's honor. They are seeking glory. Glory of the one and only, his, the only glorious one. That is what they want out of life. They want God. Seeking immortality. They are seeking to be where God is. To be where the one who is alive is incarnate is. Says Paul, they will receive that. They will receive honor. They will receive glory. They will receive peace. Verse 10. The others do not seek God, but they seek what they want. My own selfish desires. Maybe knowing what God what God says, but rejecting it outright. Now you're probably sitting here going, what on earth has Nicholas been doing this week? This is crazy stuff. How can he stand here telling me that, that, that we will be judged according to what we do? Should I be really, really worried now? Because I thought, I thought that Jesus would forgive me no matter what. Whoa! Good news is coming. How does persevering in doing good, what, what does it mean for that to bring about eternal life? 
Maybe Paul is speaking about people before the time of Jesus who were good people and Jesus hadn't come yet, so, so they got eternal life for being good before Jesus came. No, that doesn't work, does it? Paul's speaking about us today. Those today who persevere. Maybe Paul is preaching salvation by works. You know, if, if we're good enough, God will be... Well, he'll have to give us eternal life, won't he? Kind of the point of Romans is to say the exact opposite of that. So let, let's leave that one besides. What is Paul doing? I think Paul is describing for us how the judgment of God actually works in practice. Paul's saying, if you want to be declared righteous, if you want to have eternal life, then you must persevere in doing good. You must seek the glory of God. Seek the honor of God. Seek immortality of God. Live in the peace of God. If you do that and you persevere in doing good, then you will have everlasting life. Can I have an amen? Yuck, you guys are easy. <laughs> you spot the problem. Why is that a problem? <laughs> is it? You're right. <laughs> but what Paul is saying is, if you persist in doing good without Christ, you will be granted eternal life. Now, before you start lynching me, let's consider that word persist in doing good. Hands up all those like me who have persisted in doing good from the day you were born. I'll put mine down. <laughs> <laughs> this is how God judges. And remember, each one of us, we, we've heard that from, from Corinthians 5, will be judged according to this. When the Son of Man returns, said Jesus, He will judge each one of us. And we will fail. then can any of us be saved? <laughs> Revelations, great book, Revelations, chapter 20, verse 12. If you've got your Bibles there, just turn with me. Revelations 20, verse 12, right towards the end. We read there, And then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what, had, what they had done as recorded in the books. Books are opened. Books which show our life. Records of what we have done. 
lied on this day, cheated on that day, sped on that day, helped an old lady across the street on that day. Good things, bad things. And according to the book of our lives, we are judged guilty. But you know what I love about that verse in Revelations? It is that phrase, another book was opened. You see, what, what we're talking about, we are talking about judgment, which we will all face and we will all fail, and then we are talking about grace and salvation and the Lamb's book of life, which says even though this person is judged unworthy, he has already been declared vindicated and free because he has trusted in the Lamb and his name is in the book of life. What has he done? Well, he's done all of this stuff over here. But look here, the Lamb, His righteousness. What did we see in, in, in Romans chapter 1? We saw a righteousness that is from God, from faith to faith. A gift. Because according to our own judgment, says Paul, we are flawed. Either we are in the group from chapter 1 verses 18 to 32 who persist in doing evil and reject God outright, or else we are in the group who think we're good people but we do evil anyway. We all fail at the judgment of God, except, except for our names being written in the book of life. And that is just fantastic news. What did God say through Paul there? Those who persist in doing good seek the glory, honor, and immortality. I only know of one person who persisted in doing good and sought the glory of God and the honor of God and immortality and peace. This is Christ. What we fail, he has passed. Or Romans chapter 2 verse 13, what does it say there? It's not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. The only one who obeyed the law Christ declared righteous. And well, we've got the option we can try and sit the judgment ourselves, but it's already futile. Once you've got a, a summons to go to court, you're probably guilty, seeing as God's the judge and He knows everything. God's judgment is unescapable. It is righteous. And it's also impartial. Verses 12 to 16. God is not unfair. Some people might, might turn around and say, well, you know, th there are some people who know what the right thing is to do. What about those who, who have never read the Bible for themselves? Isn't it unfair that they would be punished for not knowing? Not knowing what God thinks is right and what God thinks is wrong. What does Paul say in, in that little inset, verses 14 and 15? I think what he says is God's put the creator stamp on us. 
C.S. Lewis said that the thing which unites humanity is that we believe that there is such a thing as a right and a wrong. That, that's part of who we are as created beings made in the image of God. We know something of what is right and something of what is wrong. And that's why Paul says, sometimes people who have no idea what says in the Bible, they, they live their lives and, and their consciences sometimes really speak to them and say, oh, that was wrong thing to do, how could you do that? And other times their consciences speak to them and say, yes, that was right, that was appropriate, well done. In other words, nobody will come to, to the judgment throne of God and say, well, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that I ever did anything wrong. I always thought I was doing something right. No, says Paul, we are all guilty. And we know it whether it is through the written word of God, the law or whether it is through the law written on our hearts at creation. The problem, the problem is that law, whether it is the law of God or the law that he has inscribed on us as people in his image, all it ever does is show us that we are dropkicks, that we are lawbreakers, that we are guilty. Paul says, yeah, you know, sometimes people think they're doing the right thing, sometimes they think they're doing the wrong thing. At the end of the day, unless we have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees, unless we persist in doing good, every single second of our lives. We will not see salvation. Unless our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's where Paul is going to in the letter of Romans, chapter 3, uh, verse 20. Uh, he says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. I must have read through this passage, oof, I don't know how many times. You know, it's a difficult passage, and it's not one we like to think about. We will be judged. What we do here on this world will have eternal significance. If we try and, and, and find our salvation in that, we lose. But you know the good news is that we who have been saved by Jesus Christ and entered into His kingdom, surely now our goal, surely now our deepest desire is to do good works prepared for us in advance, Thessalonians. Surely our desire is to seek honor and glory and immortality, not for ourselves, but for God. 
because we have already been declared innocent. We have already been given eternal life. And I love how God just sort of works that stuff retroactively back into our lives. My friends, the gospel, verse 16, is not just good news. Says Paul, my gospel speaks about the coming day of wrath. What makes it the gospel, what makes it the good news, is that we who deserve judgment have found forgiveness. Now can I have an amen? <laughs> amen. John 14:14. 14.